Welcome back to OA On Air, the official podcast of O'Neill & Associates. I'm Kyan Isaacson. This week, we have 3 2, one go with Cosmo Macero, and then Ann Murphy in our office talks to Noelle Lambert, founder of the Born to Run Foundation, an amazing organization working to bring young people specialized prosthetics they need. And then in two minutes with Tom, we talk about the importance of giving back and getting involved. First up, 3 2, one go Let's talk about something important. Hello and welcome to 321 Go on OA On Air, our weekly look into the world of public affairs, culture, business, and the economy. I'm your host, Cosmo Macero. In this installment of 321 Go, did the United Parcel Service, UPS, ruin Christmas for some people with a strange tweet? about shredding letters to Santa? We'll take a look at this serious slip-up on social media. And our own Cayenne Isaacson talks with a union official about what's being done to support those locked out of work and locked into a bitter labor dispute with National Grid. Finally, are more American companies headed for a four-day work week? New data suggests burnout and stress among today's employees are prompting creative ways to maintain and increase productivity while also breaking some of the virtual chains that keep us tethered to the office, desk, and cubicle. Joining me here on 321 Go is Cayenne Isaacson. Hello. The official voice of OA On Air. Hey, Cayenne, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is the last episode before Christmas 2018. The last episode of 2018. Indeed it is. It's the last episode of 2018. Um, All right, then, let's get to it. All right, Cayenne, UPS is receiving some negative attention uh, about a tweet uh, cooked up by as part of some marketing campaign with their creative agency that was was trying to promote some of their services, particularly their shredding services. Um, and the tweet said, if your child addresses a letter to the North Pole, you can leave it with us. We do shredding. There's your tweet. So... Okay. Sad, sad letters to Santa. I mean, let's let's unpack. Hey, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> Excuse the pun, UPS store, but let's break this down. The, the point is to promote shredding, and there are there are different uh, episodes in your in in, in in the year of of the average uh, American family. There are different different milestones, tax tax season, and spring cleaning, spring cleaning all kinds of ways. And they chose Christmas, and they very clearly imply that, you know, letters to Santa that you might be collecting from your kids and say, I'll mail this little Jimmy. I'm sure Santa will respond, and, and you'll get what you want. You're just throwing the stuff in the trash. And, and it just implies that letters to Santa not only are, should be shredded. But, they, but they should be shredded. It's- you should shred letters to Santa. The problem is and, they and, took something so pure. And by the way, and pay for the service. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, there is nothing more pure than a child writing a letter to Santa and saying, I believe in you. I still, this is what I want for Christmas. First of all, I would save those letters. My son gave his letter to Santa when he went to go visit him recently, put it in Santa's little mailbox. And I wanted to figure out a way to get it back because I want to keep it. I think that's a nice keepsake later in life to look back and see how he spelled Hot Wheels backwards. Like, these are nice moments. They're terrific. 
you are saying, like, don't worry, we'll shred your memories. Exactly. And by the way, by the way, if you feel like you need to sort of get that letter off somewhere, you can you can actually put it in the mailbox. Yes. The post office makes a big deal of going along with the tradition. And and, and I think they do like a PR thing where they deliver the letters to the North Pole yeah. and stuff. Whatever. It's great. We're shredding the letters. Yeah, it's it's it was a it was a bad move. Yeah, it's not like I don't I don't think it's a scandal or a, but no. but it's it's kind and of and they a, took it down. Yeah, um, I think it's one of those. A lot of companies now are trying to figure out how to show personality on social media, and their spokesperson says that that we're we're trying to cultivate a more fun personality on social media. That's where this came from. I'm sh- again. This is one of those things. I am shocked that the layers of people who read this it didn't ding in anyone's head like. Do we really want to do this? Is this how we want to go about promoting our yeah. shredding now, business? Are people talking about the UPS store and yes, stuff? They yes, are. they are. And, and the what? fact that they shred. And the fact that they shred. <laughs> and I think the idea is to use these little peripheral, not really profitable services to drive you in there to do these things like packing and shipping. I have a neighborhood UPS store. I love it. I go there a lot. Huh. Uh, nonetheless, not exactly ideal. I think um, wrapping it all up. Don't don't shred letters, Santa. Don't Keep shred them. Letters put them Santa. in the mail. There are other ways to improve your creative, fun personality brand. Exactly. All right, Cayenne, up next. Hey, tell us about your interview this week. I had a great interview with Kathy LaFlash. She's the union president for Local 12004. She represents workers of Eversource Gas who are not locked out, uh, but they're fellow workers who work for National Grid have been locked out since June 25th. Christmas will mark six months to the day since they have been locked out of work. Wow. Um, receiving unemployment benefits. One, like I think it's about over 1,200 workers uh, have been locked out since June. They've got a bill before the legislature to extend their benefits, on unemployment benefits. Um, obviously, this is really important to a lot of families, particularly around the holidays. Of course. And... Um, and a show of real union solidarity, Local 12004, band together to support these families, particularly around Christmas time. Excellent. All right, sounds good. Let's hear it. I am joined by Kathy LaFlash, union president for Local 12004, representing the workers at Eversource Gas. Kathy, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. So this has obviously been um, a difficult time for the national grid workers, which um, particularly around the holidays, but at any time, it's always terrible to be locked out of your job. There are uh, families struggling. And you recently, and and your union, kind of band together to say, what can we do to help them? And hosted some holiday parties. So can you just tell us a little bit about that? It's such a great story, particularly just this time of year, but it shows such great solidarity of unions really supporting each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have a long history with uh, Local 12003 and 12012, which is the National Grid Locals. Um, probably relationship, me personally, with them for over 30 years. So we spent a lot of time with them through the years um, bargaining um, in you know different battles when they were locked out in 93, when we were locked out in 96. So we've had a great rapport over the years, and we do a lot of things together. So it was just a natural response, um, you know, during their whole lockout to be able to support them financially, as well as in solidarity rallies and campaigns and, 
you know, at the state house and whatever else that we could do. So when the holidays were upon us and it didn't look like there was any quick end in sight, um, you know, our members, just, we usually do a collection at Christmas time and support um, underprivileged families in our community. So we decided that that would be a perfect opportunity for us to kind of take care of our own family and, and offer up these um, Christmas parties for the members at um, 12003 and 1212. So essentially what you did was you hosted two parties throughout the month of December. You bought some gifts, people donated gifts, and all of these benefited families of workers who are currently locked out from National Grid. Yeah, yeah, we did. We got a lot of donations um, from our members that financially supported the parties. Um, We did get donations from a couple of different halls um, in Malden, um, the Moose Lodge, and and Braintree. UWUA Local 369 um, donated their union hall to us to use. And then we went out and bought gifts and just put on like a pretty um, monumental party. It was a lot of fun, actually. It was kind of a good escape from reality for the three hours that we were there. So, yeah, we did. We put on a great party. And how many kids were able to receive presents as a result of all of these donations? Um, I think it was around 130 because we did have some walk-ins the day of the party. So I want, I'm guessing somewhere around the 130 between the two parties. And I, as I'm sure they were, uh, of course, grateful. But any stories or sort of what's the feedback that you were hearing from uh, families and the workers at those events? Yeah, the um, there was a lot of um, joy. Well, you know, Santa was there, so that's always a big hit. Um, in Malden, the chief of police delivered Santa to us in like a 1965 old police cruiser. Um, that was kind of cool to see Very that. Cool. And then in Braintree, the fire department brought Santa on the big fire truck. So the kids were excited and actually the adults were too to see that. <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool the way Santa got to come in. And then, you know, sitting with Santa, it was each gift was individualized for the child. So they get called up and, you know, they got some time alone with Santa and got their picture taken. We actually gave them a photograph to take home with them as well. So um, as far as feedback, the food feedback was amazing. I mean, we were actually reading like comments on their Facebook page that um, the company made a big mistake by locking us out. Um, they brought our children together, our families together, our union families together they're making us stronger than ever. Our kids saw smiles on our faces probably for the first time in months. Um, that was like the most touching, I think, response that I heard is that they kind of got to just escape, be with other families, and share something happy for the first time in a long time. Yeah, it's something to celebrate, which um, they haven't had in a while. So pretty amazing. Right. Um, certainly thank you to, to you and your members for doing that. Uh, it's, you know, first and foremost, I think what union uh, solidarity is really about, and then also just what the holiday season is about. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, happy holidays to you and uh, the whole team. Thank you so much. You as well. Bye-bye. All right, Kyan, new data suggests that burnout and stress are leading to more problems in the workplace. 
for people. This is a, primarily a European survey, but I believe there's some applications here to us in the U.S. And prompting companies to try a four-day work week and other creative measures to reduce the amount of workplace stress and burnout. Um, you know, in Europe, there is a strong movement toward things like a four-day work week, including some unusual features like Monday mornings off, which I'm not sure I, I, I'm, I'm big on. Certainly, uh, between shortened work weeks, flex time, um, and, and other things like that, uh, here in the U.S., we've been experimenting with these types of, uh, of, of workplace features to, 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 to create a better experience, a more family-friendly workplace experience for years. But moving toward wholesale adaptation of these things hasn't happened. It, ap it appears, we'll get into it more in a moment, it, it, it appears to be underway in, in, in Europe and other parts of the world. Um, do you think it would ever become the standard in the U.S. to, ha to literally have a, a four-day work week? I think it depends on the industry. I really don't I don't know that you can do it across the board in every that, industry. So it's kind of like the idea of, you know, Sundays used to be the Sabbath and nothing was open and you know it was a it was a yeah. holy day and it still is for some people, but for most other people, they're still going about their lives and doing things. Some are working, stores are open, you know, you can finally, as of about ten years ago, buy alcohol in Massachusetts on Sundays. Yeah. So um, I'm not, not putting words in your mouth, but extrapolating, it sounds like the answer is sort of a no, because if it's, when I say the standard, I mean across, across all industries, across the economy. I, I, just, I, I just don't you know, see that happening. Yeah. I, um, and, and even though... Be nice. You know, well, it, 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 it may or it may not be. Look, I, I'm, I'm so, I, we all have our different work habits, and, and I know that there are some, um, there are some points in the day particularly earlier, where I'm really, really productive super early in the morning. You, you are know, very productive early in the morning. You know what? I'm not in the office at 4 a.m. And, and, and I'm probably, no. I'm not coming in at 4. But I'm really productive. But so you could. Say I get up and running at 4, 5 in the morning, and, I'm, and I have a lot of tasks, I'm bang, tasks. I'm just banging through, banging out at home in my home office. You know what? If, if I'm on a roll and I don't have a meeting mm -hmm. or that I have to get to, I'm okay with going right through till 10, 10, 30, whatever it might be, until that roll is over. Then I got to get in and do my... Yeah, and that, and once you're ready fine. to switch gears. That's and, and other people have it sort of on the... On, might see it the other way around, different t parts of the day or whatever it might be, flex time. But I don't know if I'm ready to or even want to, ad to adopt a, a work style that's like, oh, I got this extra, this third weekend day. I mean, it would, I, yeah, I, I kind of think. I, play, I think I'd play a lot more golf. Exactly. But I think I'd, I'd be thinking about work. I think I'd be thinking about. But the not stuff if that, everybody's not. Yeah. Like, if how many times do people come in after a three-day weekend, right, and go, "I wish every weekend was a three-day weekend, or every I weekend know. should be a three-day weekend," know. because particularly as you get older, you got kids, they've got activities, you've got to go grocery shopping, you got to get stuff done. My, my big pet peeve, when I, my, my, in the last... I'll take a three-day week. I was weekend. a, you know, super... In the news business, I had some people that come back from uh, vacation. My big pet peeve, they come back, you, come, you know, go on vacation, you come back. I come back from vacation. Ready to go. Rested and ready and psyched. A boom. My, that, that first Monday back, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to just, you know, go after it. People come back. Some people come back. Um, 
I'm still in vacation mode. I'm like, really? Well, you should have taken an extra day because <laughs> we're in work mode now. Vacation mode for vacation. That's a little pet peeve of mine. Anyways, so again. I think what it's about is that if you look back at even working 10 years ago, nevertheless, 20 or 30, the way we work is different. You don't, for most people, you are no longer disconnected from your office or whatever your job is. Absolutely not. Unless you actually turn off your phone or put it in a drawer or put it in another room. Um, and that has made it difficult for people to find a balance, I think, in a very different way than they used to. It's not just a late night. It's, no, I'll be home, but once the kids go to bed, i got to keep working. Yeah. Or, well, you know, whatever that is. It's not healthy no, in the long run. No, always on. Look, the, there's no question that the workplace and, and, and work is encroaching every day, every hour, outside of work time, into the rest of our lives. So yeah. maybe this is a way to get some of that back. I get that. It's just it's a it's a cultural shift. Now, this is kind of, this cracked me up. I think it cracked you up too. So Britain's trades union congress, they're pushing for the entire country to move <clears throat> to a four day work week by mm-hmm. the end of the century. <laughs> what is that? It's eighty two years. Eighty two, eighty one years. Eighty one years. Some change. Yeah, yeah, the end of the century. Hey, you know what? How to set reasonable. Uh, goals, right? How to set the bar kind of low. You know what? Seems. 80 years, we'll, be, we'll get this done. It is the <laughs> ultimate kicking the can down the down the road. Also, I think there are expectations that we will actually be having people live in outer space before then. So good on you. End and, of the century. And Who is, knows what the world's going to look like? And is the <laughs> advocacy team behind this campaign charging Five grand a month for 80 for years 80, to get this done? I hope years. so. God it's bless good, them. It's a good contract. It's <laughs> a good contract. All right, Cayenne, thanks a lot. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of 321Go. Hey, one more time, Cayenne and the rest of the world, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Merry everything. Merry everything. 321Go is recorded in Studio 10A, just off the historic Tip O'Neill Room at our building in the heart of Government Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Thanks for listening. Goodbye till next time. I'm Cosmo Macero. That's all for 3 to 1 Go. Up next, an interview with Noelle Lambert from the Born to Run Foundation. I'm Ann Murphy, Senior Vice President at O'Neill & Associates. Welcome to OA On Air. Today we have a very special guest. Noelle Lambert is here with me today. Noelle, welcome to OA On Air. Thank you for having me. Noelle, tell us about the Born to Run Foundation and why you started it. In 2016, I was in a moped accident that caused me to lose my uh, left leg above the knee. And I quickly realized that prosthetics are very expensive and insurance doesn't cover them. So for me to live a fun and fulfilling life, I needed specialized prosthetics like a waterproof prosthetic and a running prosthetic. So Noelle, tell us about the first donation. This is an exciting week for the foundation. Tell us about the first donation that you're making this week. We're very excited to be donating our first running prosthetic to little three-year-old Isaac DePelto. He lives in Amherst, New Hampshire. Well, this is quite quite exciting for your for your foundation, and I know it's the first donation. And if people want to know how they can uh, apply, I know you're going to be probably doing some more don uh, more donations of prosthetics. So, what's the process for applications? Um, if you actually go onto our website www.theborntoronfoundation.org, uh, you'll see a tab 
that says apply. So you just need to answer those questions and then it goes through the board and then it goes through myself and we make a decision. Wow. Well, we look forward to hearing about the next one after after we see and hear about Isaac. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how you got your athletic prosthetic devices. I know you have a couple different ones. Um, I was actually very fortunate because I had my waterproof prosthetic donated to me by the Heather Abbott Foundation. And then I had my running blade donated to me by the Challenge Athletes Foundation. So seeing all the work that they do and how they help other people really inspired me to start my own and to give back. It's amazing what you're doing. And people may not know, but I'm going to tell them right now that uh, you're on the UMass Lowell Women's Lacrosse team. H how do you train with your prosthetic device? We have workouts every week. Uh, we have 20, 20 to 25 hour weeks, so I just need to do every single drill, do every single workout, just like I don't have a specialized prosthetic. I just need to think that I'm still competing in the college collegiate level, so I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. You just have to really train a lot too, right? Yes, and yes. I think you spend a lot of time day. in the um, in the gym as well. Yeah, we spend five hours a week, uh, 6 a.m. lifts three times a week, so we have to get up really early in the morning, and then we have to go to class, and then right after class we have to go straight to practice for a two-hour practice. So it's very long and it's very hard, but I'm glad that it keeps me in shape and it keeps me I'm, I'm glad to be doing what I am today and not letting my amputation sl uh, slow me down. I know that uh, you mentioned a little bit before that the uh, prosthetics are costly. What should people know about really the, the range of uh, the prices? Yeah, people don't really understand the cost of prosthetics. Um, they can range anywhere from $5,000 to $100,000, and insurance companies don't cover uh, specialized prosthetics, they only cover your everyday prosthetics. So people really don't get that if you want to be able to run, then you're not going to, you need other people to help you. You're not going to be able to just pay for that on your own. A lot of families struggle with that. So it's really inspiring to see that other foundations help so many other people. And I'm really grateful that I can start my own and give back. Well, what you're doing is truly amazing, and I th think when people hear this interview and they'll start seeing you more and more, uh, they might want to become involved in the Born to Run Foundation. So how can people become involved? You can be involved by donating uh, to, on, our, on our website, the www.thebornetorunfoundation.org, or you can just follow our social medias, any of that. You can help spread the word just to become part of it and just to help spread word. It's amazing what you're doing, as I said, and I think we're going to see a lot of you lately. There's some interesting fun dates coming up, if ever anyone's interested. Uh, the Bruins 50-50 raffle is going to benefit the Born to Run Foundation on December 27th, and you don't even have to be at the game to buy a ticket. So I think it's after December 22nd. You can go online, and then there's a website link. You can donate to the Bruins 50-50 raffle. That's just one thing. Uh, you're busy. I know you on December 29th. You're going to be live on W. WBZ TV Channel 4 on four year community segment. You're looking forward to that? Yeah, I am. It's Especially really the 7 a.m. live yeah. TV call. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and then, oh early. my goodness. And then I know this is really fun uh, the Celtics game. Tell us about that one on January 26th. Um, they will actually be honoring me and the foundation during their Heroes tribute. Heroes um, Among Us. Yeah, Heroes Among Us tribute. So that's going to be really cool. I'm going to be able to walk on the court during the second period, and they're actually playing the Golden State Warriors, so I'll be uh, 
trying to hit up Steph Curry. <laughs> I hope that you do. Well, thank you so much for coming in today, and we look forward to seeing what your foundation is going to do in the future. Thank you for having me. And now, two minutes with Tom. Hi, Kyan. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the final installment of Two Minutes with Tom of 2018. It's nice to be with you again. Thanks Around for the holiday time, huh? Yes. Happy holidays. Yeah. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. All, uh, lots, lots happening. I think we wanted to take just a couple minutes this week and talk about, you know, one of the things we do here in our office and obviously you and are involved in a lot of organizations, just the importance of giving back around the holidays. Um, and obviously last week you were the recipient of the Others Award from the Salvation Army, so I know it's something near and dear to you. It is. You know, it's a, it's a time of year just to kind of remember uh, all the things that are important to you and to kind of search out to figure out what life is all about. And what life is all about is about relationships. You know, if you know who you are, if you know that you love your God, if you love your family, your country, your community, then, you know, then there's a lot to be given in the way of giving back so that people have a sense of, of total community. And there are any number of ways to do that. It, it, it could be the Salvation Army that does so much wonderful work. It, it could be, you know, a Cristo Rey High School, which serves inner-city kids. Um, it's a prep school, and it graduates. Everyone graduating from its senior year class will go to a four-year college or university. And they're um, amazing kids. It's, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing, it, it's right, it's an amazing group of young people. Um, but it, it could be a high school, it could be a college, it could be a library, it could be a hospital, it could be, it, it could be you know, uh, things around, around uh, feeding the poor and the hungry. Uh, it could be helping out in a hospital with perhaps if you speak a second language fluently, you could help out with patients that, that don't speak English. Um, there's one million ways to give back, and the importance of this holiday season and every holiday season is to remember that there are there are so many out there that are, you know, less well off than you are and need a helping hand. So one of the things I learned about you recently, and I would love if you would share, is the story of the White Cross in front of your home. Oh God! Um, well, the the way. The White Cross goes is, back a long ways. It goes back to my my grandfather, who had a brother who was um, who was homeless, and um, in those days, this is back before the the turn of the the twentieth century, uh, back in the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds. Um, because of my great uncle, um, you know, they put a, a white cross on the front of their home, which indicated to passers by. And it was a signal that people knew in those days that if you needed a bed, there was a bed in that house to sleep in. If you needed a coat because it was cold outside, there, there would be a coat or a sweater available for you. And if you needed a meal, there'd be a meal there. There was always, there was always enough meal. And so, you know, the, uh, the O'Neill family has carried on the tradition. And when you go before one of their homes, there'd be a white X. Nobody knows really what it, what it stands for except for me and my family. But, you know, we love the idea of it. And you still have one in front of your home. I have one in front of my house. It's amazing. I love that story. I think it's um, it's really simple. It doesn't take a lot. I think that's that's the most important thing. It's a reminder, you know, and it keeps you balanced. You know, we lost a firefighter out in Worcester 
this past week, Chris Roy. Um, so we ought to we ought to think about him and, and the life he led as a first responder and uh, the nobility he had while serving on the Worcester Fire Department. And another way to give would be to his daughter, who he was he was a single parent, to his daughter Ava, uh, and it's called the Ava Roy Fund. It's out in Worcester. I think you can give through the local. You know, Chamber of Commerce in Worcester, you could give through City Hall in Worcester, you could give through the Firefighters Union in Worcester. This is our last podcast episode of 2018. Thank you all for coming along on this journey with us this year. On behalf of O'Neill & Associates, we wish you a happy holiday season. Talk to you next year.